Hi, everyone. I'm your host, Kelly Gray. Welcome to this episode, episode six of Athletes Rising. Today, we're joined by Lauren Hansen. Lauren has quite an impressive resume as both a player and a coach. As a player, she was at the University of Portland, won a national championship. As a coach, she won a national championship with the University of Portland as an assistant. She then went on to be an associate head coach for the women's program at University of Oregon and then has been at San Jose State University running the women's program since 2013. She's the winningest coach in women's soccer history at San Jose State. Pretty impressive. In our conversation today, we start at the beginning. We start at the love of soccer. Where did it come from? We continue through what you're going to find to be a huge range of emotion. There is laughing. There is crying. There is sentimentality. Uh, A lot of talk about Clive Charles and his mentorship and how that helped shape uh, her philosophy uh, as well as my own, and a lot of adversity, uh, both as an individual, but also as a team. Um, she speaks a lot about how her teams, some of her teams that she played on um, and even coached, had to go through extreme adversity to find success. So I think you're all going to love this episode. I certainly hope that you do. Um, so kick back, relax, and enjoy. Today's episode of Athletes Rising is brought to you by Cinch. Cinch is an API-driven sports management platform that simplifies the registration and management process for parents, coaches, directors, and organizations. No more jumping between apps or websites trying to figure out where all of your kids' information is. Cinch puts your entire sporting life in the palm of your hand. Do you or your organization run any kind of camps? Cinch is going to be your answer. Download the app, register your organization, create your camp program, and publish. It's as simple as that. All done from your tablet. Now any parents can search and register their players directly from their phone. You can manage all of your registrations, communications, finances, and even marketing all from your tablet. That's right, Cinch is a mobile app. So as an organization, you can have it with you out on the field as well as at home or in your office. To learn more about Cinch and all that it has to offer, visit the website at cinchhq.com or download the apps from the App Store and Google Play. All right, Lauren Hansen. What's thanks for, up? Thanks for joining us here, Athletes Rising. Um, let's, just, let's just start at the beginning with yeah. everything. Tell me about how you fell in love with the game of soccer. All right, well... Let's see. My parents signed me up for a bunch of different sports, and soccer was one of them. So I'd go out and AYSO, rec league, and I just happened to be pretty good at it, like really talented. And I loved being with my friends, and we had a fun time. And I just kept playing, and then eventually, uh, you know, was good enough to play club soccer. So I got got recruited out of uh, the rec league for a bunch of different clubs, and uh-huh. um, kind of that's where it went from there. Um. And which club did you end up going to to begin with? Mission Viejo Soccer Club. Big club down south. It was. Yeah, back in the day, SoCal, like Mission Viejo was like one of the top clubs. And then you had Blues and um, you had a couple others in there. But um, but yeah, that was kind of one of the bigger clubs back in the day. Um, Just kind of a random question, but did you stay with them your entire youth soccer career? I did. Wow, that's like unheard of these days. It's so rare. It's crazy. Yeah, I mean, I was the same. I played for a small club here in, in... Uh, Los Gatos and 
it was the only club I played for. But yeah. these days I feel like that's kind of doesn't happen anymore. No, it it is pretty rare. It's pretty rare that um players stay in the same club, stay with the same coach too. Oh yeah. Um, I don't know if you had, did you have the same coach? Um I had like two or three different coaches, but okay. over the course of ten or twelve years. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So we started out with one person. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he just happened to be a dad of the team, right? Gotcha, yeah. Um, and then formed, formed a team within that club. And mm-hmm. then, um, he kind of outgrew his role and uh-huh. he knew that. And so at you, I think it was like U12 or something. Um, we had our, our club coach and who was one of my mentors, um, Abner Rogers and he uh-huh. took over the team and then stayed with us the entire time. Yeah. That's amazing. It is. It's pretty incredible. Well, it's also amazing to be able to find a coach that kind of has that ability to start so young and kind of see it all the way through all the different stages of development all the way through to college oh yeah it's like super special for him too because I mean if you can imagine it's pretty rare nowadays especially like we just talked about you get a person who can carry a team for and start them in development from like u12 all the way through u18 yeah let's see them grow into young women and like mature in all aspects like in life and then also you know I think personality and then on the soccer field too. Yeah, so. exactly. Not just, yeah, not just on the outside of the field. Yeah. Um, so let's go back to right when you joined that club. Like, was that, was that something that you and, and a bunch of friends decided to do was go to rec or you said you were recruited? Mm-hmm. Um, talk us through kind of that transition. Was it a, an easy one for you or was it something you wanted to do? Was it something your parents wanted you to do? No, actually I kind of think it just came naturally. I can't even remember too much. I think, you know, I think I just happened to be one of the top players in our rec league down Mm. in Southern California and I was scoring multiple goals and, um, but yeah, it was a big transition, you know? I mean, I, I just played it cause I loved it. My parents coached me, Mm -hmm. you know, my mom coached me, um, in, in rec and, I remember my dad, like, this is so different nowadays because my, you know, parents are taught now in clubs. Like, you can't say anything on the sideline. Yeah. <laughs> this is a whole different story. But my dad would be like, you know, I remember one game I was I was out on the field. We were losing 4 nothing, And um, I I just was like, I'm not going to play very hard today. I don't know why. I just yeah. kind of. It was whatever. an off day. It was an off it day. Happens. I was kind of just floating around the field, not yeah. doing anything. And we were the better team. My dad, I remember he was standing at the top of this hill. And he was like. Lauren, get the lead out of your butt. And I turn and I look and I'm like, what? And then I was like, all right, it's time to start playing. So I took the ball. I scored four goals. Oh, my God. We tied the game 4-4. And then afterwards, I was like, was that good enough for you, Dad? Uh. He was like laughing. He's like, you weren't doing anything. I'm like, you're right. I know. That's pretty funny. Yeah, it was pretty funny. But the difference between that and like club, right? So then you get to club and you're like, well, I mean, obviously it's it's – I mean, I'm more professional and, you know, parents aren't screaming on the sidelines. And I mean, my dad didn't know anybody. He was just trying to motivate me, but it's just a different level. And it was really fun actually, because it was challenging for me. Yeah. Like I remember I I showed up the first day and a lot of those girls had been playing for a couple of years. So I joined at U11, U12 and, um, and I hadn't been right. And so I was just this rec player uh, wearing jean shorts. <laughs> I love it. Like yeah. hair down, no ponytail. <laughs> just shaggy, right? Yeah. And like, they're all like, who's this kid? You know? And I was pretty like, I fit in from a playing standpoint when we played. Yeah. But like we started off juggling and I I could only juggle twice. Yeah. With my feet. Yeah. And at, at 11 years old, 12 years old, you said? At 12 years old. Yeah. And I was like embarrassed. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and I just was so competitive though. I went home and I'm like, all right, like I can only juggle twice. And the coach was like, this is really important. And it just was a, a great challenge for me because I was like, well, I'm not going to be the worst one juggling. So yeah. I practiced every single day on the blacktop. I'd be out there in my cul-de-sac just juggling with my feet. And it was really cool. And that's, uh, that's really interesting because like, I think that kids a lot of the days, uh, these days, they kind of struggle with that when they come up against that adversity and they, they see, oh my gosh, I'm not good at something. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden it's, let me shy away from that. Let me hide that. And instead of what you did, which was kind of, taking the bull by the horns and saying, all right, I need to, I need to get better at this. So I'm going to do it on my own. Mm-hmm. And like what we see today is parents that see it and they're like, wait a minute. So-and-so is juggling 25 and you're only at two. No, you need to go outside and juggle. Mm-hmm. And it's flipped that from what it was for you. And what it was certainly for me was enjoyment mm-hmm. and that challenge to now it's a job. Mm-hmm. Now I'm doing this for somebody else for them to feel better as opposed to me doing it for myself to feel better. And mm-hmm. I, I think that's something that, certainly has to change and I think that it's kind of a common thread between a lot of the people that I talk to uh, certainly on this podcast is like everybody did things for themselves Mm -hmm. there wasn't that drive from their parents there might be some but it was like it was very much self-driven from Mm -hmm. from the athletes themselves yeah and I think um it's interesting now as a parent I mean we have kids the same age Mm -hmm. We both played at a, like a similar level or similar yeah. similar levels. And like now I look at our kids and I'm like, that's what I want for them, right? Like yeah. I want them, just like you said, to have that drive. And I don't, I'm not, I don't know necessarily how to teach kids to have that drive. I think it's a little bit of who you are. Don't Definitely. you think? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think that more than anything, it's people generally are going to have drive in something. Yeah. And it's us as parents almost staying out of the way until the kids find what that something is. And then we open the door for them mm-hmm. to, to, um, to, to experience that drive, right? Mm-hmm. To, to get after it. And I think that that's where these days it's changed a little bit where it's, I know what I want for my kid and that's what my kid is going to be mm-hmm. as opposed to like, I don't know what my kid is going to want because they're their own person mm-hmm. and they get to make their own choices and I can lead them, but I'm not going to do it for them. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, I, I think it's the same way with, um, with my son as well is, is like, I want him to love the game of soccer so much. There's nothing more in the world. I want him to be a soccer player. Oh yeah. But I'm so conscious of not pushing it. Mm-hmm. I'll never ask him to go out and train. If he asks me, I'll go every time, mm-hmm. but I'll never ask him to go out and train. Mm-hmm. Um, I want him to have that self drive. I want him to, to want to go outside and juggle and, and so when it comes to like teaching it, it's, mm-hmm. I almost feel like it's, it's like that, you know, that almost like negative thing where it's like by not teaching it, you're actually teaching it more, Yeah. you know? And, yeah. and like, that's what I've seen with, um, some of his good coaches are like, they will let him, they, they'll let the team, they push the team to have an enjoyment and fun. They don't mm-hmm. put too much pressure on the results. They, um, they want the kids to fall in love with this game. Mm-hmm. And what I've seen in return is my son will go out before school and juggle in the front yard. Mm-hmm. And like his friends will come over and they'll go play in the backyard. Like those, for me, that's the best way to fall in love with the game, to develop your skills. Like my hour and a half training session for him, it's not going to, Yeah, that's not how you get to be a pro. Yeah, right? totally. It's the 10 hours that he spends goofing off with his friends throughout mm-hmm. a week uh, after school, like that's the where the true development ends up happening. Oh, totally. And I think like you could probably say the same thing, but I think back at 
just my early development as a player and it's exactly those moments that you're talking about it was going out with my friends like on my club team like we'd have pool parties and then we'd go out and we'd play in the backyard or we'd be juggling in the front and then we'd go in the pool you know what I mean yeah yeah exactly or we you know after school like you know I'd have somebody come over and we'd just like kick the ball around and yeah it was just a part of who we were like we all loved it so much and that's why I think our team was really ultimately successful because you all have a similar passion but I also think like the reason that I played soccer is because I loved being I loved being with my friends yeah I think that was first and foremost Mm -hmm. and then I just happened to have everybody I think is blessed with a gift so I think I was gifted like you were and other people were at, at something just like you talked about you want your kids to have like a certain gift like or you know something that they're passionate about yeah. and then go with it you mm-hmm. know and if you find that then yeah exactly I think our role is like parents and coaches or whatever is to really like help promote that you know but for me it was all about like enjoyment and fun and then I happened to be somewhat good at it and then you know I think I was just really competitive too yeah totally and like wanted to just like I just like yeah I just wanted to be good yeah you know because it was fun though well because I, I think i wanted that more and yeah. I, so i think it's like a vicious cycle it's like you want you want to continue to like have those experiences so you want to be better and then you just like you want more experiences yep. and so then you just keep like it's just you no know? that's that's certainly again like what it was for me as well was like i realized that if you train more and you get better at things it makes saturdays it makes your game days more fun because you get to score more goals or you get to like just be better than other people and so I always was trying to you know put in an extra time necessary to get better and everything from fitness to the technical skill to watching games and trying to learn more about the tactics of the game Mm -hmm. um but yeah I I totally understand that side of things yeah um to to dive back into um joining the club team Mm um you had brought up earlier that you were about 11 or 12 years old did you stop playing all other sports at that time or did you continue with other sports no I kept playing like I I love to run so I was I got into well I guess yeah I did do cross country at a young age I just Mm -hmm. liked running races and stuff yeah and so I ran these like random like cross country races yeah. or whatever. Again, hair down, like no ponytail, <laughs> jean shorts. <laughs> that's, that's the so calling funny card. to jean look shorts. back. Totally <laughs> shredded at the bottom. And um, that would never happen. Now everybody has their yogas or whatever. Of course, you know? they're perfect Nike outfit. But um, but yeah, I um, I did that, and then I just I love playing basketball just outside. Like yeah. I just would play that all the time and. Uh, volleyball actually I did club volleyball for a while so yeah I was into everything and at what age did you, did you actually specify that soccer was your game and you stopped playing everything else um I think I was 16 and only because um I did volleyball and then I was running cross country and in, mm-hmm. in high school so it was ninth grade yeah maybe after ninth grade 10th grade um only because I had a stress fracture in my back so like I think just developmentally I was just doing too much yeah and then I happened to get a stress fracture. And the doctor was like, you know, it's kind of a lot to do. We Like, do, you're doing too much mm-hmm. with practice. And, like, you know, I was doing ODP. A lot of soccer things on top of these other things. And yeah. he's like, you probably should think about not running as much, you know. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, then at that point, um, soccer became your only thing. Mm-hmm. And what was it that made you choose soccer? Because you were doing all these other things and 
Mm-hmm. You were successful in all these other sports as well. Mm-hmm. So what was it that made soccer be the game? I just loved it way more than everything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I loved, again, like I loved my team and I loved, I loved just everything about it a lot more than any other sport. And so I think at that point I was like, I'm, I'm committed to this. Plus, I was re- just really... I was blessed with a lot of talent at that point and mm-hmm. in the, like a lot of extracurricular activities like ODP and youth national teams and stuff like that. And I think it was kind of the writing on the wall that I should probably just focus on this. Uh-huh. Yeah. So that was, it was the highest level of success. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So let's go through club soccer, getting into more serious towards, um, towards the end of high school and then this prospect of being able to play in college. Yeah. Um, so club, I was with the same team again, and mm-hmm. we did really well. Um, we always competed at like a really national level. Um, it was an awesome team. Our team was really close. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's why all of us like were really successful moving forward, just because we were, I mean, I'm a really big believer if you're like a close team on off the field and on the field, it's special. Oh, yeah. I think we all had individual success because of that. Um, but so it helped me as a person and a player just because I like, it was really competitive at our trainings. Like we yeah. would show up and everybody was like wanting to get better, but also like really enjoyed playing with each other, you know, and our mm-hmm. coach was awesome. And so anyway, we kind of just carried that on throughout high school. And then, um, during that time, I, um, I was actively being recruited in my junior year and fortunately was, um, able to play with youth national teams. So on the U18 national team mm-hmm. and then, um, going into college, actually the U21 national team too, um, and I had been in and out of like full national team trainings too. So it was kind of, I don't know, a crazy time for me yeah. and like really pretty cool, um, for a young person and a young player. Um, and then I was recruited by university of Portland and a bunch of handful of others. And I mean, I think you kind of know this best than anybody, but, um, <laughs> went on a recruiting trip and Clive Charles was the coach there and he just was a special person. And oh, like, man, yeah. I remember him sitting us sitting me down and being like you know I'll teach you the game and I'll teach you life through soccer and um if you want to come here let me know he didn't even after offer me a scholarship or anything and he was like if you want to come here let me know and we'll talk about money later that's so (laughs) funny to say that classic Clive I know well I have like this almost exact same thing with him is like obviously he he wanted me to go to the school he recruited me um and Emily Patterson together we're like a we were like a, a duo that he wanted to get, Emily with the girls team, obviously, and, and myself with the men's. And um, and I remember it came, I was supposed to go on a recruiting trip to another school. And the night before I was supposed to do that, he calls me mm-hmm. and he said, look, I want you to come to Portland. I want you to commit. And I was like, okay, well, that's really nice. And I was like, I've got this <laughs> okay. recruiting trip tomorrow. And um, he's like, I know. He's like, but I want you to come to Portland. I want you to commit tonight. <laughs> And I said, okay. And he goes, I'm not going to tell you if I'm going to give you a scholarship or not. And this is I so want you funny. to come to this school for the right reason. Because you believe that I can make you a pro. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, well, let me call you back. Yeah. <laughs> and I hung up and I talked with my parents. And they were like, well, what do you want to do? Um, and honestly, I think it took... 10 minutes Mm -hmm. of conversation with my folks and then I called them called Clive back and said all right I'm coming to Portland and I called the other school I was supposed to go to and 
and uh, they said they were pissed. They were pissed. Yeah. And I said, uh, <laughs> "Hey, I just want to let you guys know, I I committed to University of Portland, um, so I won't be able to come on the trip." And they're like, "Good luck." <laughs> Good click. luck. Click. <laughs> and uh, ultimately, I totally made the right decision. Oh yeah. But, but isn't it so crazy how he was just so, he had that charisma to just like, he made you, not made you, but like he had this, I don't know what the word is, but he had this. It was a warmth. Warmth, It was like a yeah. comfort for me where like, I always say that he was the, other than my parents, he's the biggest influence on my life. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was the guy that you could go to. That for, always had the answer. Always had the answer. Yeah. Was not judgmental yeah. at all about anything. And he was going to just be straight with you. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. I could, I mean, I could talk. We could do a whole podcast just on Oh, I know. On Clive, Clive's but... a different deal. But that's the journey of getting yeah. there. So, so yeah. I mean, okay, so throughout this, this time, obviously, you've done so many different things. Mm-hmm. You've been extremely successful um, in soccer. Um, and a lot of what this podcast is about is those times where we aren't successful. Those times mm-hmm. where we we struggle like we get cut from a team we you know we get the bad grades we whatever it might be mm-hmm. um and how that played a role in your journey to where you are now or through throughout your career getting you to the highest level mm-hmm. so through that kind of youth period before you're getting into school is there anything that like stands out as to like okay that was a moment that was tough for me as a as a kid mm-hmm. um or as a person and i kind of had a path where i could take i mm-hmm. could go i could I could go this way and maybe not have dealt with it, or I could go this way and face the adversity. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. I think I look back and I'm like, the hard times are really what, like, triggered me to, like, become or have successful times, you yeah. know? And, like, like I think it's easy to probably look at, like, or listen right now and be like, oh, well, you know, she's always kind of had it easy, but that's mm-hmm. not the case at all, like... In fact, I would say that I've probably been the underdog in a lot of different situations um, growing up and everything else. And um, like the first thing that comes to my mind is that what I brought up earlier is yeah. like I show up and I'm like the probably the oldest rec player to join a club team. Yeah. And like, you know, my skill set wasn't that great. I mean, I was okay. But all these other girls, they could juggle 50 times. Yeah. Like legit. Like. You know, I remember the coach being like, look at, you know, this girl, Megan, and she just, she can juggle like 50 with both feet, like left and right. And here I am, like, I'm juggling yeah. literally, like, it's like one's up in the air and the, and I'm like running to get to it to like <laughs> touch it just a second time with my right foot. Yeah. And it sounds so like kind of cheesy or whatever, but it's also like, it was so, I said this, it was embarrassing for me because yeah. here you go from like rec where you're the top player to like, you show up at this club team and you've been recruited and you're like, yeah, I'm going to go in there and just make an impact. And then totally. you're like, at a, when you're that young, it's like, you're so sensitive, you know? Yeah. And I just, I took it really personal. Like, oh wow. Like, well, so what was that trigger though? That, cause, cause I think the natural thing there is to shy away, right? Mm-hmm. And to, and to go, you know what, I'm not good enough at mm, this. Mm. And we see a lot of that these days. And, and sometimes it's not even from the kids, it's from the parents. We're like, oh, no, my kid is way too far behind. Like, mm-hmm. we're not, this is not their sport. This is not their thing. It's mm-hmm. so like, what was that, what was that internal thing? Or was it just, that's just kind of who you are? Mm-hmm. I think it's a bit of who I am. And I also think, you know, I remember clearly the coach being like, if you go home and you practice, like after he pulled me aside mm-hmm. and he's like, you know, if you go home and you practice this every day, then you'll be 
so much better at juggling, yeah. you know, and this is what you need to do. And um, these are the things that you can do to get better. And so I was like, well, I'm absolutely not going to be the worst one out here. Yeah. So it was part him giving me the tools and letting me know what a process is to follow. Mm-hmm. And then it was part me being like, I absolutely am going to be better than everybody out here. Mm-hmm. So I went home. I practiced literally every single day. Yeah. And I was like the best one on the team juggling by the end of the year. Feet, thighs, head, everything. Yeah. Like nobody could even head juggle like as many as I could. I mean, uh, And he didn't even ask me to do that. And that was just me loving the game, but also just being like taking it and going with it, you know? Yeah. And I, yeah. I just think that that's a, that's a huge lesson for, for people is like, really anything's possible as long as you put the time and the effort into it and you have that belief in yourself it's mm-hmm. like you you can you can go from juggling two to juggling 200 yeah in a fairly short time span as long as you're putting in the effort yeah and you, and you have that dedication and that belief in yourself and that's like the my favorite thing to see as a coach now is when like somebody just is so driven to do something to achieve something and because mm-hmm. they believe that they can i think you know, as parents, as coaches, whatever, it's like our job to help them, like give them a process or the tools and motivation to be like, you can do this. You can believe in yourself. You can. But also, you know, I do think the flip side is it's like, it's double-edged sword, right? It's them being like, I want this though. Yeah. Like you have to want something. Yeah. I mean, I tell that to parents a lot of times is like, look, you can, you can give your kid the best coach, the best camp, the best uh, cleats, the best jerseys, the best everything mm-hmm. if the kid doesn't want it then they're not going to get there because mm-hmm. they're not going to put in the time and the effort needed in order to actually get there yeah you know and so yeah i think that's just a good lesson totally so let's um let's jump now into university of portland what's it like coming in as a freshman to that team because at that time university of portland women's program was top two three in the country yeah and here you are coming in as a star-studded recruit Mm -hmm. so talk about just that whole process I mean there's got to be a lot of fear when you show up oh yeah I mean I think this I think you know I was gonna say I had I probably had like maybe four five really pivotal times in my life where I've had like crazy adversity the first was at a young age like Mm -hmm. I said the second was um I was told that I, I was at a regional camp and I was told that I, like after the camp, I did really well. And the coach came up to me, my coach, and she was like, you know, you made the U14 national team. And I was like, so excited. Yeah. Because that's what I'd worked that's, for my whole, yeah. like, of course. my whole youth career, you know? Mm-hmm. And then she was like, you'd absolutely made it. And like, you should get a call in a week. So a week goes by and I don't get a call. Ugh. And I'm like, well, what's going on? And then another week goes by and my friend, two friends on my club team got a call. Mm -hmm. And I'm like gutted at this point. So I don't get called in. Yeah. They get called in and I'm like, I mean, it lit a fire that was like crazy. Like I went out every single day, like for at least an hour, ball in a wall, like anything I could do by myself, like took music, whatever it was just to get better. Yep. For the next year. And then, like, that, I think, alone is what, like, drove me to be so, like, successful to be able to go to UP and, yeah, like, yeah. you know, be at that level. So then I get to UP, and um, it's our my freshman year, just like you said, and, yeah, star study recruit, whatever. I could have gone pretty much anywhere I wanted. Yeah. And um, I have a terrible year. I, like, I start out starting the first game, 
and then and then we do fitness the next Tuesday or whatever, and um, I tear my hamstring like oh, I like partially tear my hamstring. It's pretty much almost all torn. Yeah, all the way through. Jeez. Don't like I've never had an injury like that before. Don't really know. So mm-hmm. I try to keep practice on it. I can't even run. And then they take me and get an MRI, whatever it is, what it is, right? Yeah. So I'm out for like the majority of the season. I played like six or seven games that year, and they were all not very like I wasn't I wasn't fit. Like, yeah, yeah. And it was depressing. Like it was so sad. Like because I had all these high expectations, one for myself, but also I think a lot of people did for me. Sure. You know a lot of pressure and like I just was like I don't really know how to handle this you yeah. know and to be honest I wasn't happy like I probably admit and like very rarely will I admit to very many people that I was not happy because I wasn't playing um the love of like what I love the most is taken away mm-hmm. but two I was away in at, at school like in the <laughs> yes. rain okay I which mean, is I so can... different so cowgirl well I mean it was the exact same for me so when I got there Soccer wise, it was great. Yeah. Soccer was 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 going really well for me, but I remember, and I tell this to people all the time, growing up here in Northern California, we have perfect weather. Yeah. Kind of all the time. Oh yeah. The first ninety six days <laughs> that I was in Portland, it rained. And we were there at the same time. Exactly. So, yeah. I mean, I remember that just almost like that depression sitting on you, like you'd. I would wake up for class. No sun. I'd go to class. It'd be dark and gloomy. I'd come home from class. I'd like take a nap. Yep. I'd do my homework. I'd go to training. I'd come back. I'd do more homework and go to sleep. That was my day for 96 days. Yeah. And like it took me that long to actually get accustomed to the, the weather and to the whole, the whole process of it all. And oh. so I totally relate to what you're saying with that. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, you just described it perfectly from like that side of it. And yeah. then you have like any freshman encounters. You have... The social side. So you're trying to make new friends. Yeah. You're trying to figure out your yourself. Like you're growing. Like you're away from college for or away from your home for the mm-hmm. first time. And I was pretty independent, but still, everything is on your own. You're you're make you're eating on your own. Like yeah. breakfast, lunch, and dinner. It's up to you for nutrition. Yeah. It's up to you for figuring out academics and like being successful in that yeah. area. Making sure you're staying eligible. Making sure you're staying eligible <laughs> yeah. and doing well in school. And it's a lot. For all those things. And then I'm injured. Oh, and the God, thing that yeah. I love the most is taken away. And so, you know, and I've never experienced that before. And so for me, it was just really humbling and mm-hmm. like very, um, it was really challenging. And I actually said to my mom at one point, and I even called my club coach who was like obviously a big mentor of mine as well. And I yeah. loved Clive. I yeah. loved him. I loved the team. I was like, I don't know if I can do it. Yeah. I literally was like, I think I want to transfer. Mm-hmm. and um, I just need to go back home, like, near in California. Yeah. And I went, you know, and my mom's like, well, why don't you just think about things? And, you know, my club coach said the same thing, and I went home for winter break, and, um, you know, I, at the time, our team didn't do very well either, so, like, we had yeah. terrible team chemistry. It was the first time in UP history that, like, they didn't make the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, they'd been at the Final Four, like, three years in a yeah, row exactly, before, okay? Yeah. So, like, our freshman class, basically... We're a bunch of hoodlums. Yeah, exactly. And, like, we ruined it for everybody, okay? And, like, the upperclassmen hated us. It was terrible. So, you have all these things, and I just was like, I don't know if I can do it. And I was going to give up. Mm-hmm. And, like, I went home, and I was like, I don't know what, I don't know what happened. My, you know, my parents have always been really hardworking, and, like, 
I think my parents were like, you can't give up. Like, you have to go back and, like, get after it, yeah. you know? And this is what you wanted, and you love the coach. You know, you love Clive. You love the program, so just get to work, you know? And I think I think I just, like, something clicked, and I went, it's part, like, this is part of my problem. Yeah. Like, it's in my control to turn this around, and it's not anybody else's problem. Yeah. And so I just, like literally got to work like yeah. I got back I got better obviously healthy yeah and then I just got super fit and then I remember like you know from a team standpoint and there's so many stories I could tell you about Clive that's a, yeah, know, a yeah. whole another <laughs> podcast but I think um it just it was really special though to be able to turn around and then in sophomore year like have a, a ton of success you know yeah from a team standpoint and then obviously individually too so that was crazy though. That was a a really hard time in my life. Yeah. And like I consider I consider myself and our program at that time an underdog. Like and you had to have that mentality of like you got to fight and you got to work for it and that's like why it, like any of the success that we had there was so special. Yeah. Oh, oh completely. I mean, I think that I look at like I said, the men's side as the same thing. The women's program was always the top program. They were the top dog. And so we were kind of the <laughs> step there of like we were never as good as the women. I program. don't know. You got yeah. You're right. No. You are right. But you're pretty. You guys were pretty legit when you were Our, there, though. Too. Yeah. The years that I was there, we had some just absolute superstars, and in, in Connor Casey and Nate Jake. One. I mean, the list goes on and on. Oh yeah. And and so we did find some success, but it was never anywhere near mm. the level of success the women's program had. But I think that that also it it drove a lot of those players mm. to put that extra work in you know, mm. to to want to get better and want to just push the program forward but but also to be able to find that success you know and, mm. and I don't think players went to Portland to you know to necessarily win national championships mm. we went there because it was a step along our path to the next level to mm. to becoming a pro and I think mm. that's what I mean talk about on the men's side what did Clive really leave behind like he left behind this legacy of doing what was right for every player mm. and and helping players reach their individual potential mm. um, whatever that may be i mean the list of pros that have come out of the men's side is just insane yeah you know? it is and so i know again we digress to clive it's going to happen often so. i know <laughs> i know well so all right let's talk we're, we're through freshman year so let's talk sophomore year mm-hmm. and and on let's talk a little bit more through college here mm-hmm. so sophomore year um so again, we didn't make the playoffs freshman year, and my individual like sophomore year was of kind of getting there was about work, like mm-hmm. really working hard. And I remember one time, like you know, we ran upstairs, we had a, a track upstairs, and uh, literally we got back. It was like January, into January, February, and we we're just it was time to run. And um, I remember like a bunch of us throwing up, like to the point yep. where it was like. You know, we ran so much, and then he brought us into the classroom, and Clive was like, that's what hard work looks like. Like, that's called putting money in the bank, you know? Yep. And I think we all just had a mission. Like, we're like, we're going to make the Final Four next year. Go from not making the playoffs to making to the make Final, Final Four. Four. yeah. And that, we did. Like, we literally did. And it probably wasn't the most talented team, but it was just out of sheer hard work. Yeah. And but, I, again, I think to, to bring it back again to this this whole idea of, like, failure, right? It's like that team failure. Yeah kind of had the same effect as the individual failure it mm. seems like and so the team failing to make the playoffs is sometimes what needs to happen in mm. order to light that fire to then work extra hard to mm. actually to actually get there so i find that really really interesting oh yeah no i think every single person like 
trained as hard as they possibly could. Yeah. Just because they were like, they were never going to have that happen again, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, I think for me personally, obviously, like, took it, like, like really personal. Like, this is, I'm not going to come in here and be that class yeah. that, like, ran this program into the ground, <laughs> you know? Yeah, of course, but that's a pride thing. Oh, totally. Yeah. yeah. And I think, you know, I mean, <laughs> there is a lot of adversity. Like, I could go through our four years and Mm -hmm. I mean I really think that like a movie should be made of it because you had the our freshman year which was crazy just Mm -hmm. in chemistry wise and you had our sophomore year which um actually uh I don't know if it's sophomore or junior year I think it was my junior year um where we actually went back east and uh to play we played uh Wake Forest and I can't remember who else and um we flew back home and then the next day, so one of a couple of the parents came out to watch, uh-huh. right? Uh-huh. And um, the next day, one of uh, one of my teammates' moms mm-hmm. was there on a business trip, also and watching. Mm-hmm. And um, she she ended up taking an earlier flight to yeah. come home earlier um, than, than she thought, and uh, it happened to be one of the flights, the nine eleven flights. Yeah. So I remember vividly, like we, and I'm sure you do too. Yeah. We, you, everybody has their memory, right? But I was sitting in my like condo dormish room and um, just watching on the TV, like all of the video and pictures of it all. I remember. And then I get a phone call and somebody says we have a team meeting and Monty's mom is, was on one of those flights. Mm -hmm. And I remember that Clive had to go out there and she was practicing on her own out at like working yep. with the ball or whatever. I can't remember with who and had to tell her. And like oh. that alone was one of the hardest times. I mean, everybody has their story about this, but from a team like yeah. perspective, it was so sad. Yeah. One for like the country or whatever. And this is, I'm not getting political or anything, but yeah. I just think, it's such a crazy memory. And then, but just for her and her family, it, yeah. like it really hit to home. To really personalize it. It, it took it, everyone took it so personal. And it was just like such a crazy time of, of adversity. And to see her go through that and like how hard it was for her and, um, and how much, I mean, I can't even describe it. Yeah. Yeah. And for our team to go through that together and then, and then be able to go back to the final four again yeah. is like, pretty remarkable you know like what a wave of emotion like you know to have that happen yeah jeez yeah i mean that's and that goes so far beyond just the sport yeah that's like that's really brings it down to that whole personal like family level of things yeah like i don't even think we practiced for like an entire week yeah like i think and i think like four or four um players went you know on a road trip whether down to the funeral and mm-hmm. I mean it's just was it was really sad yeah but that ended up being a very successful year yeah for your guys program again it's like it's so crazy to think about it's like how did we even get through that and you know you ask these questions like I'm sure I could ask you too like what is it and I can't really name it I think a lot of it has to do with just like will to like want to like in that situation want to keep driving forward and like yeah I mean I think I think if I had to describe it it's it's like culture, like brotherhood, right? I always mm. describe it as the locker room. It's mm. like the locker room is this sacred place where everybody in there, if you can create this culture of like responsibility almost mm-hmm. in the locker room, then 
success is is basically the outcome of that, right? And yeah. It's, I know that the the teams that I've played on um, that have been the most successful are the ones where I would jump in front of a bullet for mm-hmm. any person next to me mm-hmm. so that they could have the success. Mm-hmm. If I could play a role in them having the success, that made me feel really good. Mm-hmm. And I think um, when you have a, a core group of people that all have that same mentality, mm-hmm. success is inevitable. Totally. And like what what bothers me a little bit about how things are today is we've actually taken that out of the game. Mm-hmm. We've taken that out of sports a lot and we've made it so individual where now it's me against you, mm-hmm. right? It's me against you for that spot. It's me against you for that scholarship. It's me against you for whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. And so we've gotten away from this whole idea of what an actual team is made up of. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, forgive, or uh, you tell me if I'm wrong here, but like, I know the best teams that I ever played on, we mm-hmm. were not the best players. Mm-hmm. It was never that. No, yeah. It was this eclectic mix of personalities mm-hmm. that somehow it made it all work. And it was based on more of the psychological um, component than it was the actual physical component. It's we were so true. So much better as a group mm-hmm. than we were individually. Mm-hmm. And um, and I know that at, at Portland that it was a lot of as well. Now, mm-hmm. obviously, you guys had an extremely talented yeah. team to get there. But I think you're absolutely right. I mean, like, I think that's what makes sports so special. And that has been taken, not taken away, but I think it's lost a lot lately. And not yeah. lately, just in the last, like, I don't know, generation maybe. Yeah. Um, and I think it is because of exactly what you described. It's turned into like, it should be a competition, but it's turned into an individual competition instead of a instead group of a team, effort. Yeah. And I think the same goes for like, you could argue like the greatest businesses have similar like, mm-hmm. situation with like um, brotherhood or team chemistry yeah. and working together toward a single mission. And everybody can describe it. It's like a feeling. It's mm-hmm. a really pretty much an indescribable feeling and a common goal, you yeah. know? And I think um, that's, I mean, that's why, like, I love coaching. Yeah. It's because, like, there are very few people, not very few, I just think there there aren't as many people that understand that and yeah. maybe have felt or seen that. And we were fortunate we were to lucky. have yeah. played for somebody that did and knew that. Um, and I think, like... I think a lot about it and that that's what I want for my kids. Mm-hmm. That's what I want to pass on to the next generation is that you can, if you come together yeah, with a common goal and like belief and you believe it, you truly believe in it and you may not be as talented in it. As long as you all work together in something, you can like achieve like more than you absolutely think you can. Oh, oh yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. So let's, let's go with that. So 2002 with UP. Okay. So my senior year. Yeah. Okay, so this is crazy year because um, in junior, my jun- so the end of our junior year, going into our senior year, right? Yeah. In the spring, um, Clyde hadn't been around a lot. And so uh, it was kind of like, where is he at? Everybody's questioning mm-hmm. and it was a little weird. And he had always been gone for national team events here and there. And well, so he had the Olympics in, uh, I think it was 01. Yeah, right? in 01. So he's gone for that. Mm-hmm. And then he was, you know, he was in and out with a bunch of different of things. Course, so yeah. maybe it was that. But, you know, our, our assistant coaches kept saying, and you, you remember this clearly, like probably like, he, you know, he's not feeling well or he's here kind of making up excuses. And yeah. then we go through the entire spring season. And um, this is like, again, a huge time in my life that I remember so clearly walk into a room, the men's and the women's team mm-hmm. are in there and, um, 
there's a podium set up and we're all sitting down facing the podium. And I remember he walks in through the back door behind the podium to come in toward all of us. Nobody had seen him for like three or four months. Mm -hmm. And he walks in and it's quiet. Everyone's like dead quiet. And he looks like frail at this point. Mm -hmm. He had gone from, you know, black hair, kind of poofy, like, you know, um, afro to and a little bit overweight like yeah. a little jolly in the belly i guess is the best way to describe <laughs> it with some chicken legs yeah and his english accent to like frail yeah. and like gray hair mm-hmm. had lost a lot of his hair is patchy very thin um he walks in and everybody knows at that point something's wrong yeah and um he just says to us like you know i just want to let you know I'm really sick. I've been sick. I've been diagnosed with cancer. And um, I can't remember the exact words, but he said, you know, if there's one thing that I want you guys to know, it's that there's people that are worse off in the world, and I'm getting emotional, um, than you are right now. So just remember that, like, and I can't remember exactly, you probably remember exactly what he said, but basically, like, it was to the sense of, like, don't make excuses and that you, like, you know, there, there are people that have it harder than you have. So like you should never complain or whine yeah. or anything mm-hmm. about what you have. Cause you have it made for you pretty much. And then he walked out and he was like, you know, basically, I mean, he said a couple more things or whatever, but you know, the message was like, you know, be, be fortunate and be thankful for what you have, yeah. the time that you have here and like make the most of it for the most part, you know? Yeah. And that was just, uh, he mean, he meant so much to us that like I know we're talking about individual, um, I guess challenges, but this to me this is like oh, this, this is... one killed me. Yeah. And like, I was gutted, and I know everybody was gutted. The men and the women in the room were gutted, and like, because yeah. we all cared about him like so much, and mm-hmm. like, I just like left, and I was like, holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> like I don't even know how to react to that. You yeah. know. And then we, and then we get to, uh, I mean, I think right after, like literally, I mean, you're pretty emotional and a little depressed after that, you know? And I think, but I think like a week later I was like, he hadn't won a national championship yet. And I Mm -hmm. literally said to myself and I said to like, you know, our core, like captains and like players, I was like, we're winning this thing. Yeah. No matter what, doesn't matter. We are absolutely winning next year, whatever it takes. Mm -hmm. And we get, you know, we go through, um the season and I have a like a really cool story like to tell about this maybe a different time because there's a great again like about Clive and like how special he was and the adversity that we went through that season but Mm -hmm. um we probably honestly we weren't the most talented team Mm -hmm. I don't even think we were probably in the top like maybe 15 from a talent standpoint we literally had 18 players that year yeah and we lost our keeper in the beginning of the season because Maybe I should just tell it. But yeah, like, go for it. Yeah. So we lost our... So so we're in... Um, so the preseason starts. I'm living with my best friend, Aaron, who's our captain. I'm a captain. Mm-hmm. And then there's this other girl, Kristen Shea. She's a goalkeeper. Yeah. The, our number one goalkeeper. She's really talented. We had a, a we had three keepers that year. Kristen Shea, Lauren Arase, who was the backup keeper, mm-hmm. who was also very talented. And then um, a girl named Kim Head, who, who honestly didn't really play very much at all. Mm-hmm. Never played actually. Um, so um, we're we're in living in the same with dorm with Kristen or whatever condo. Aaron and I walk in, and there's a flight of stairs, and we see Kristen laying at the bottom of the stairs, and there's blood everywhere. Oh 
gosh. And we're like, oh my God. So we run. I check, I check her pulse. Erin calls the, the ambulance. Yeah. Ambulance comes, takes her to the hospital. She was still alive, but there's blood everywhere. And um, she happened to have been on drugs, have o- had overdosed, and had an alcohol problem all the way leading up to this. And uh-huh. Clive had met her, and he had a three-strike policy. Yeah. And just to kind of make a long story short, um, this was her third strike. Mm-hmm. She just couldn't get it together. And um, I know she walked into the office one day or after this, and you know she describes it as like the best, worst day of her life. Mm-hmm. And he basically said to her, you're going to be on the team still because I want you to go to rehab. Um, but like, and you can train, but it, you have to go and do these rehab, like this process, this basically steps, yeah. these steps. So she, she ended up training with us throughout the season, but our keeper was gone. Mm-hmm. So our starting keeper is gone. Lorna Rossi was a transfer and had just kind of come into the program. And, um, we go throughout the season. We lose the first four games. <laughs> I mean, we were terrible yeah. in the beginning. And then, um, then finally do really well, you know, kind of start playing well together and mm-hmm. end up making it to the playoffs as the eighth seed at the time, which was mm-hmm. the lowest seed yeah. against Stanford. So we go to Stanford and we play Stanford and um, they're the number one seed. Mm-hmm. They were really talented. Take them to penalty kicks. And, you know, Clive had this process of like play every practice, you take one penalty kick. So oh, he's always very well. prepared, yeah. right? And back in the day, you had to sub players in to actually take a penalty kick. Yeah. So the rules have changed now. but um, So we had a freshman named Colleen Salisbury. Mm-hmm. Every practice, she was left-footed, nailed her penalty kicks, okay? Then you have, like, our entire senior class who's, like, Just nailing pen- yeah. penalty kicks, yeah. too. And, you know, a couple of us were a little shady. Uh, some some people were a little shady on the penalty kicks. but So I can understand now as a coach, but... Holy crap. So we get to penalty kicks. He subs her in, Colleen Salisbury, yeah. okay? And puts her as the fifth kicker, which everybody <laughs> knows is like That's the most the one, important yeah. kicker. Yeah. So we get in there and they kick it or whatever. We get to the fifth kicker and she has to make this to win it. Yeah. And I, Captain, Aaron, Captain, everybody else, nobody's taking that kick. And we're looking at Clive going, what like, in the what world are you thinking? Are you thinking? <laughs> yeah. Like, this is your chance to win a national championship. Like, yep. and you put, you know, a freshman in who's probably nervous. Not yeah. that we didn't trust her, but, like, it's a little crazy, right? Yeah. She goes in, and I swear to you, we were all like, well, she's made every single one. Let's go. Yeah. She goes to kick it. She takes the kick, and it it goes, like, she, every kick she kneeled in practice was low into the right-hand side. Mm-hmm. This one she takes, it's high, and it's, like, slow motion. Oh, my God. And we're all like, oh, God, she missed it. Oh, God. <laughs> it goes upper V, and she wins the game for us. Oh we beat God. the top the top seed, and we go on, whatever, you know, to go to the final four. Yeah. So we get to the final game, and before the final game, he says to us, so he walks in, and he's like, he's like, Again, so frail. At this point, like, yeah. it's just really sad. Like, he, he can't even sit on the bench without cushions, mm-hmm. okay? Because um, he's, he's been doing all this radiation and everything, chemo. Yeah. And, um, you know, but we go to the final game, and he, like, his pre- final game, pregame speech is this. He goes, if you, he walks in, everybody's quiet, and he goes, if you have fun today, you will win. Oh, and we all just were like, oh, my God. There's a recording of that. <laughs> And I've listened to it probably a thousand times because it so just goes in line with him and uh, his his philosophy. And obviously I've ado- adopted that exact same philosophy. And 
And also, I like to hear his voice. Oh, you know? totally. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, God, that's just, it's so funny because there's a recording of, I want to say it's the majority of that pregame speech. Mm-hmm. And it is just moving. So moving. God. It's so cool. I mean, here's a guy who has been to the Final Four. I think he had been like 10 different times with, mm-hmm. with the women's side. Maybe it was eight or something. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe it's 12. Never won it. You know? Mm-hmm. And like, and. And he's arguably this may be the last game that he coached. Yeah. And he says, if you have fun, you will win. And then we go out there. We play Santa Clara, who's a way better team on paper. Uh-huh. Into double overtime, okay? And our backup keeper gets hit in the head, oh, concussed. That's right. Goes out. Kim Head goes in goal. Mm-hmm. Okay? Never seen a minute of, of a game. Not one minute. And our assistant coach is warming her up like okay you got to catch it like this (laughs) yeah like it's all good we're gonna be good yep I go over to Clive and I'm like and at the time Kristen Shea our starter was Mm -hmm. on the bench because he he like rewarded her and had her travel with us she Mm -hmm. was on the roster Mm -hmm. and I'm like Clive please put her in because all we wanted to do was have him win that game yeah of course just please put her in and he's like Lauren I'm not gonna do it He's like, Kim's going in. She deserves this. And I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> and it's nothing against Kim, but, you know, Kristen was so yeah. talented. And um, and Kim hadn't had any experience. And so I go back to the huddle, and I'm like, no shots! No shots on goal! <laughs> so sure enough, she comes in, corner kick against us. The ball goes floating over our heads. And it's like slow motion, and Kim Kim goes up, and she like bats it with both hands dramatically away, mm-hmm. and that was the only shot she had to stop basically. Yeah. And then the rest is history. Christine Sinclair ends up scoring the goal, game winning goal, yeah. and I remember that well. But yeah. like, talk about adversity, and talk about belief, and talk about like all yeah. of the things that sport is like so like the the greatest thing in sport that you can teach is belief and like and like teamwork and then also like and hard work i mean there's so many good things about it but also like for clive in that moment when that's his last game that he'll ever coach to make that decision that moral decision yeah that the right thing to do is to play that player mm-hmm. instead of the other one and the right thing to do for her life yep is pretty crazy uh, i think that that's that's just it's so amazing to me and like Whenever I'm working with like a group of coaches, um, with with a soccer club or whatnot, and it's mm. it comes down to that overall philosophy of like, all right, what what's our job here, mm-hmm. right? And I think it comes from Clive, where Clive always saw his job as developing the person. Mm-hmm. The result didn't really matter. Mm-hmm. It was, I need to do the right thing to develop a person. What's going to be the right step in this moment for this individual person? Mm-hmm. And especially on a stage like that a national championship so close to be able to make that decision that no this player deserves to play and this player does not deserve to play mm-hmm. even though there was a vast different in, difference in in talent but to be able to stay so strong with your focus and mm-hmm. not get kind of drawn into that but I'm so close I can actually do this is just to me just one of the most miraculous things about him but he did it Time and time again. Oh, I yeah. Mean, we have a similar story on, on the men's side where we had this freshman that had come in and um, was just an incredible player. Absolute mm. incredible player. 
holding midfielder could do everything Mm -hmm. and got in a little bit of trouble and Clive had a policy and um and that was that Mm -hmm. career over I'll help you transfer somewhere else but you're not going to play for this program yeah and this was a player that could have done some great things at that school Mm -hmm. but he was just steadfast in his in his rules and and ultimately we respected him so much for it but I remember myself and and then um the two captains, we, we went in to talk to Clive and just said, hey, mm-hmm. can we give him another shot? Can we do this? Like, mm-hmm. we, we need him. We want him. He's a great teammate, all these other things. And Clive said, guys, I can't do it. Mm-hmm. This is my rules. Mm-hmm. And, uh, God, it just, uh, it, it really. It's accountability. You know, it, it's accountability. And to be honest, I just don't feel like there's enough of that yeah. these days. There's not. You know? Like, where is the accountability with yourself? And where is the accountability with like your kids and yeah. where's the accountability with coaches and everybody just wants to it's all about the end result it's not about the process of like yeah teaching no. teaching an individual right. how to be better so huge culminating moment in your life winning national championship for clive for your teammates for yourself for everything mm-hmm. the, but that's not the end of your journey here in soccer mm-hmm. so let's let's take the jump to that next step of things yeah, so, I mean, you know, you're talking about challenges, so I went on to play professionally, and I was drafted, and, um, New York Power, New York Power, right? and it was unfortunate, because my rookie season, I was, it was kind of, I was nursed injuries here and there, and I did okay, mm-hmm. honestly, um, but, um, it folded, the league folded, mm-hmm. and so I was, at the time, like, where am I going to play? And there wasn't very many opportunities overseas. You could go play and probably just have your living expenses paid for. Yeah. It was more for the experience than anything. Um, but, you know, the WPSL league here was probably just as good. Yeah. And um, so I made it. I had to go back to school. So I finished school. And then, um, you know, Clive actually passed away, which is really sad. Um, yeah. And the assistants became the head coaches. The assistant became the head coach, and he actually asked me to be a part of the staff and um, be the assistant coach at University of Portland. So it kind of fell into my lap a little yeah. bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, but being a young coach, I was more of a player's coach, and um, I you know, was fortunate to learn there for five seasons and then was recruited to be the associate head coach at the University of Oregon. And, um, you know, talk about, like, adversity, like, very different philosophy. Yeah. And... Under, you know, I learned a lot from, from that head coach in particular, but I, I also learned a lot of what I, you know, I maybe didn't want to do in running a program and, mm-hmm. and did want to add. And mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. it was a great learning moment for me, but very challenging, like to the point where I actually had to, I didn't believe in what, like how the program was run to yeah. the point where I had to say, I just, I can't be here anymore. So I actually quit for a year and a half. Um, we had our second child and then this head coaching job came up here and I applied and got the job and um like here I am six years later now at San Jose State which is crazy yeah yeah and and at San Jose State like you know having grown up in this area and being very familiar with the program here um I feel like there's adversity that goes along with the program Mm -hmm. just based upon geography and Mm -hmm. you know you're you're competing for players with you know, with the Stanfords, with the Santa Claras, like these oh, are, yeah. I mean, huge, huge things. So, I mean, talk a little bit, let's, let's just talk a little bit about what it's like coming into a program like San Jose State and then mm-hmm. trying to, 
um, put your own spin on things mm-hmm. and um, and some of the adversity that you've come across in that. Oh, geez. <laughs> How much time do you have? So, so no time limit. We're oh, good here. All right. <laughs> We're only an hour in. We got all night. Okay. So we. Uh, so, well, first of all, nobody wanted the job at mm-hmm. San Jose State just because. It was like exactly what you described. Like it had been terrible for years, you mm-hmm. know. Not terrible, but they, you know, the team had won three games. Okay, mm-hmm. so it wasn't against the coaching staff or whatever. Just from a result standpoint, and then from a historic standpoint, this program had never like successfully competed at a top level for yeah. an extended period of time. So like, there's that. Then there's you know the rumors that it's not really well supported, mm-hmm. and and so. Really, I think a lot of people were like, I, I'm like, you can't, that's like a no win zone, you yeah. know? And I was like, bring it on. Like, this is blue collar, baby. Yeah, I mean, you know, like, like you're in the hot, totally, you're yeah. in the hotbed of like Northern California, like of mm-hmm. soccer, like most talent in, in California. Yeah. And, um, you know, obviously my family was, our family was here. And so I was like, all right, let's do this. And, um, so took the job, but that was the perspective of like, and the perception of a lot of people yeah. in the soccer community. Yeah, so you're yeah. fighting that perception. You're fighting the perception that like, you can't be good. Mm-hmm. You're fighting the perception that, um, that you have like, you're going to compete against Cal, Santa Clara, Stanford. Uh-huh. You're going to compete against UC Davis, which is a good academic school. You're yeah. going to compete against all these different yeah. schools. I mean, you name them all around us yeah, here. Tons, yeah. And, um, and I think, like, I just really came in with, like, a mentality of, like, we absolutely can do this. Like, you just have to find what works here, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, and so we just started from scratch building a culture. Mm-hmm. And, like, because, again, we talk about, like, what's so important is is building a culture of yeah. belief and hard work and team chemistry and, like, having fun. Like, all those things that we talked about growing up and enjoying as players ourselves yeah. and, like, with the adversity that we had and accountability, like those are all so important and part of our program. Oh yeah. You know? And so like I, I said, number one, it's culture. We're building, we're going to create a culture here. And, um, yeah, I mean, I think just from the get go, like I, I've tried to like hold players accountable and, but there's a lot of things like we didn't even, we had a field and then we got kicked off. Like there was a $12 million donation for a golf facility. Yeah. So we had two and a half fields of practice field and a, and a game field. Then there's a $12 million donation after year one of me being here. Yeah. And all of a sudden, five sports are displaced, yeah. which we're one of them, mm-hmm. women's soccer, okay? So we don't have a field to play on now. So we're playing on our football practice field. Mm-hmm. So, And, you know, I think our team was just kind of took it like the bull by the horns and was like, let's just go with this. Let's just work hard, you know? And that's kind of one of the things that we talked about throughout the entire time was changing the culture of the program like it's a process and you have to just continue to work at it and um I don't know our our first year we were eight eight and two I think and we missed the conference tournament by one point so it was pretty crazy yeah um and I think that that helped the team believe because they went from three winning three games to eight eight and two and playing good soccer too at the end Mm -hmm. and have creating a little bit of belief you know that hard work really does and team chemistry does you know Mm -hmm help things and um and help change a culture and then um and then uh you know I think the next year we didn't um have everybody come back fit so that was one of our standards and I was like well we don't get to practice then 
You yeah. don't get to go out with the ball then. You have to earn the right to play. So <laughs> we're going to run. Another Cliveism. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so we're going to run until you get fit enough so yep. that we can actually play for 90 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we didn't, you know, we, we, they got after it. And I think we ended up making the conference tournament and being second in the league, which was crazy. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and then um, we won. We actually won the conference championship. And I have, like, a really funny story about this. So I had a um, – for some reason, we were 1-7 and seven in the beginning. Okay, so we were pretty bad yeah. in the preseason. And we go into our conference play. And um, and the first first game, we're at Wyoming, which is, like – it's, like, 7,000. It's crazy elevation. It's the yeah. highest elevated place in the country, okay? Oh. Worst place to play, oh. and for, especially for a California team. Yeah, we were one in seven, and I'm like, "Well, this is going to be a tough one." Yeah, <laughs> you know. And um, but we walk out on the practice field, and I look down, and I see a penny heads up, and I'm like, "Oh my gosh, it's a lucky penny." <laughs> It's really funny, I know, but wait until you hear this story, okay? <laughs> so I'm like, lucky penny, oh my gosh. It's for sure we're winning the game tomorrow. So, you know, no, so, so like, and then, the, but just we had a sense of belief, even though we were one and seven, you know, because yeah. it was just hard work that we had put in into it. And um, we go out, we end up winning the game. Literally, I'm like teared up at the end of the game. And I'm like, I don't say anything about the penny, okay? Yeah. I'm like, I'm not an anomaly. I'm putting it in my pocket, though. So... After that, team's like, yeah, we got this. So we go on a seven-game winning streak. Wow. And I'm not kidding. Every road trip I went on, so the next road, we were two back-to-back road trips. Next road trip, we go back to Colorado to play uh, Colorado College and Air Force, okay? Mm-hmm. I walk into my hotel room, and I go to put the key card into the little thing, you know? And I look down. Tell me there's a penny. There's a penny. Oh, my God. And, uh, <laughs> I swear to God, I do. I swear. Okay, so I pick up the penny. Yeah. I put it in my pocket. I'm like, yeah, we're going to win this one. <laughs> so we win again. Two two games. Wow. Okay. We win seven games in a row. We won all of our games on road trips. And every road trip, I found a penny. It's incredible. Heads up. Okay. So I found seven pennies. So we get to we get to the conference tournament. First time we've been seated in the top two in a lot, like forever. Yeah. We go. San Diego State's number one. They are by far the most talented team in the conference. Mm-hmm. Like, they should win this thing, okay? I'm like, this is awesome. We're here. Like, yeah, let's yeah, totally. go. Like, you know, we're nobody knows what's going on. Like, our whole team hadn't been there. And we get to the semifinal. We go into double overtime, end of penalty kicks, and we win to advance to the final, okay? So we get to the final game against San Diego State, and they, they pretty much took it to us in the first half. Mm-hmm. And they were up one nothing, And we get into halftime, and I'm like, you guys ready to start playing today? Yeah. You know, and everybody's like a little, they're pretty defeated. And I'm like, you guys, because we actually toward the end of the second half, we started to play. Uh-huh. Like we were out playing them a little bit. And um, I was like, you, we absolutely can do this. You just have to, you know, I went into kind of teaching mode, this, yeah. that, and the other. And um, and people started to liven up. And But it was still a little like, the morale in in, in the locker room was a little like defeated. Yeah. Like, we're not going to win this game. And I go, so I go, if you don't believe we're going to win this game, I absolutely do. And I'll tell you why. I go, I found a penny. <laughs> so I tell the story. I go, Amazing. at Wyoming, I yeah. have a penny. Heads up. I found a penny in this thick, bushy grass. Like, you, yeah. nobody could find a penny there, okay? You're like treading through, I don't know, an Ozark. 
I find a penny heads up. And then I go into all my stories. I found a penny before the hotel door. I find a penny here. I find a penny. Seven pennies, you guys. And I pull them out. I'm like, so we're winning this freaking game. (laughs) (laughs) And the whole team's like, yeah. We go out. Played amazing in the second half. Awesome. End up scoring off of a free kick that Zoe Macrionis like sends in. Handball. Penalty kick. Goal. Okay. Freshman yeah. takes it. She's taken every penalty since Darielle Franklin. Yep. Who goes on to be an amazing player for us. We go into penalty kicks against them. And just like Clyde, we practice penalties one every day. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. And I put a freshman in goal who I knew won the state championship the year before she mm-hmm. came in on penalty kicks. Like she was an unreal penalty kick keeper. Okay. Yep. Zoe was our defensive Mountain West player of the year, our starting yep. goalkeeper. And I'm like, because of what happened with Clive, I'm like, I'm doing it. Yeah. You got a feeling. Okay. So yeah. it's hilarious because if you go back and you watch on the tape, like on the tape, on the recording, the announcer's like, what is Coach Hansen doing? <laughs> Putting a freshman who's not played any minutes in goal. Yeah. And like when you have the Mountain West Defensive Player of the Year. Yeah. Okay. So the first two shots they take, she literally is frozen. <laughs> She's like. And they're panning over to me and our entire sideline. And I'm like, we're all like, she's got this. Yeah. Like that's age, you know? Yep. And like, so they, nobody knows this. And, but to them, everybody watching, they're like, that's the dumbest move you've ever seen. Of course. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. Third goal, third shot, save. Fourth shot, save. Fifth shot, save. She wins us the game. We win Mountain West Championship. Go on to play Stanford in the first round. Oh my God. In my second year. It was so crazy. (laughs) But like. It's just belief. Like, you go back to team chemistry. You go back to hard work. You go back to belief. You go back to, like, all these things. And, like, that changed our our program. Like, that culture, that yeah. building that every year, day in and day out, is what has changed our program. And to our team, it, it's not about, like, the perception out in the community. It wasn't yeah. about, like, it was about, like, believing in each other. That was it, yeah. I mean, there it's were so many room. outside, totally. Yeah. There were so many outside factors. There's We didn't have a field. Throughout the six years I've been here, we haven't had this. We haven't had that. We, you know, you don't have as much gear. Yeah. You know, you're compared to Stanford academically. Whatever yeah. you want to say, like, it just doesn't matter. At the end of the day, it's what experience you want, like, what culture is our, we have built and we we are a part of. And, yeah. like, yeah, there, for sure there's a lot of challenges here, but there's a lot of, like, great gifts that have come about it. Now we have a brand new beautiful field. Like, yeah. we have brand new lights. The like, lights are insane, So yeah. building something from scratch has been really special here for the program and for our coaching staff. Yeah. Yeah, and the community, too, because I think nobody really thought San Jose State could do it. Well, I think I also think that what you guys have done is, obviously, over the, the course of your reign here, um you've really gotten the community really involved. And I think a lot of that comes down to, you have gotten a lot more support from the university. You have gotten, you have been able to build a good culture, not just in the locker room, but in the entire program. Mm. Um, having been to games myself, it's a great experience. It's a lot of fun. Well, With the lights now, it's it's so cool. And as the father of a daughter, I like mm. my daughter being able to go and see your players play. And frankly, I like my boys to be able to go and see your players play and mm. see that like, they can do this too. Mm-hmm. Like this is this is really possible. So I'm excited to see how this journey continues for you on the coaching side. Mm-hmm. Um, as like one last thought, and I haven't done this before, but I think that like it's kind of a, a cool thing. Like if you had to 
say like one thing about how you should face adversity as a child. If you're a kid that has come up across some sort of adversity, mm-hmm. what would you what would you say to them? Hmm. I don't know. The first thing that came to my mind is just be willing to learn. I love that. It's simple. Yeah. If you're willing to learn, I think it's really, life is very easy. If you take it personally, like with like challenges and like you become defeated from it and don't, don't accept that it's a lesson, then I think you're really going to struggle. I like it. Yeah. What about you? I want to know what yours is. Oh God. I I didn't expect to have to answer. (laughs) Um, just put you back on the spot. No, I, I think that, I really think it's just that belief in anything is possible. And just because somebody tells you no, or just because you, you, you know, you got cut from a team, a coach tells you you're not good enough. Mm-hmm. Um, your, your parents say that you're not good enough. You can't do this. That doesn't, that's not the answer. Like they don't hold your future in their hands. Mm-hmm. You have that. And so it's that perseverance and belief and uh and always believing that whatever you want to do you can do you just mm-hmm. have to do it mm-hmm. that's it i love that yeah i agree perseverance is a great word oh uh, yeah i mean that was one uh, just one more story of it like playing on the chicago fire um our captain was chris armis mm-hmm. uh, who i think he's coaching the new york red bulls right now um Oh, he the, is? The, That's The cool. quintessential captain, like that guy. Oh, I can't say enough of the greatest things in the world about that that man. He just, he always brought up this word, perseverance. We're mm-hmm. always going to persevere and um, and just be relentless. Mm-hmm. And, man, he embodied that as a player. He embodied it as a captain. He's embodied it as a coach. Just an incredible, incredible mm-hmm. guy. So. so cool. Well, so I, I think that's it. I mean, here well, we are. We we talked for me. a while. This is this I is know. good. I love it, and I just love hearing the stories. and And uh, I hope I hope all of you listeners love hearing it as yeah, well. Yeah, thanks for having me. And, this is um, great. So, if you are in the Bay Area, be sure to go check out uh, a San Jose State women's soccer game next season, or even in the spring. There's spring games coming up as mm-hmm. well. Um, Please for, do for all of you uh, that are that are new to us. Follow us on social media. Uh, athletes dot rising at instagram um trying to think what else there is um if you if you have anything you want to say you can message us on instagram you can send us things we we like hearing things um thank you for joining thank you for listening yeah Lauren. thanks for thank you. thanks for having me again this is right. great bye folks bye Thank you.